The Bible reading can be found on page 1007, the Pew Bibles, should you wish to follow. Page 1007. From the book of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 to 23, and continuing at verse 35. When Jesus had again crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talithakum, which means, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So gracious God, would you speak now to each one of us, I pray, about what it means to, to wake up to faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask, I've asked Scott, I've given him a bit of a warning and he's going to come and help me. So don't look too nervous, basically. It's not, it's not that bad. But listen, you know, we were chatting the other night and it got me thinking, you know, you know how sometimes when you become a father and you're not a father before that you kind of don't necessarily get kids do you no or you don't understand what what goes on and then you suddenly become a father and at some stage something happens for some fathers it happens during the pregnancy process for other fathers it happens afterwards but it happens at some process that you kind of realize that you'll do anything for your for your daughter and my guess is that's probably you isn't it yeah so more convincingly yeah but you will and you'll do all these incredibly strange things like like I don't know about you but I just thought you know what if my baby is sick I'll just never be able to clean that up and yet somehow you manage to do it don't you you just got to or even worse if they poo and they poo all over the place you've just got to clean it up haven't you and you think I don't know how I'm going to do this but all of a sudden you you do manage to do this but you see what I've noticed is you see 
This is what, when I was the father of, of, of babies, which was a bit of a while ago now, basically, but sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Listen, fathers who were older than me said, you've never had it so easy. You've never had it so easy. And you know, I just want to say to you, you know, you've never had it so easy in comparison to, 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 to like when I was a dad, because you know, he said you'd do anything for your child. Now remember, I'm a vicar, you can't lie to me. Plenty of people do, I just want you to know that, but you can't. Um, right, so I thought, well, you know what? It's feeding time. So I brought along some food. And you know what? Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. You know what? And I think, you know, I thought, you know, I found this. It's amazing. It's called this. And you know what it said on the back? This is why I knew I had to buy it. It was a sign. It said, my dad promised me that all of our food would be full of goodness and tasty, yummy too. Ella. So there we go. What is it? It's baby food. Yeah, but... It's pork roast dinner with apple sauce. What? <laughs> now, are you prepared to eat any of this? Yeah, I'll have a bite. <laughs> I'll have a bite. I think it's a tube. Oh. I don't even know how to open this. This is how easy it is. But let's just have a look and let's just see. Do you want it warmed up? Because, you know, I've brought, so, I brought a bit of water and so on from there. But listen... I'll eat it cold. you eat it cold. I'm very impressed. Listen, is that enough? Yeah. It would be enough for me, believe you me. If you, go on, let's see. That's minging. <laughs> Anyone wants some baby food? So, listen... But, you know, listen, we're not finished yet. We're not finished yet. Um, because, because then you come to dessert, don't you? And you've got to have dessert... <laughs> so I thought of this dessert what do you think I don't like prunes <laughs> it's prunes <laughs> alright I'll tell you what I'll do I'll eat it though are you sure yeah. I mean I'll eat it if you want I don't know what it'll be like but I mean listen I'll tell you what I'll tell you what here we go let's have a look Ooh. I'll tell you what just to, just to show something that you're not alone I'll eat it too better than the, the dinner actually that's not bad is it yeah but listen 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 you know and you don't have to do this one because this one's you know like you've got feeding time yeah and so on from there you've had your main course you've had your dinner but you've got to have a drink haven't you so i've got a choice because you know like Mila's, she's at this tentative age isn't she she's just over one yeah. so you're on this thing does she drink something that's for less than a one-year-old or more than a one-year-old. So I brought this milk. Now, do I choose? You can choose, yeah. I'll tell you what, whatever you choose, I'll drink a bit of the other one. So I'll give you the choice. This is the one for six to 12 months, okay. and this is the one for one to two years. I'll go for that one. Okay. There we go, you can open it. Hopefully this one won't open. It's got one of those magic tops that are just like... Oh, I'll tell you what, you're braver than me. You really are. Right, we're going to try this. It's not that bad. Is it not? Go on, then drink the whole bottle. Oh, yeah, take, it. <laughs> take it with you. I'll take it with me. That's disgusting. Listen, you can take you that. Short straw. I know, that is absolutely disgusting. Scott, you can sit down. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. Thank you. Not a- 
You see, what we're going to do is we're going to think about this morning as through film and through that little activity and through another film clip, we're going to think about what it means to wake up to faith. If you like, what it means to put your faith in Jesus and how that continues to grow. And the reason why I did what I did with Scott then was because in the story that we heard, we have this desperate father. This is the, this is a desperate man. We know he's desperate. What do we know about him? We know he's a man called Jairus. We know he's a synagogue leader. What that meant was this. He wasn't a priest, but he took responsibility for organizing everything inside the synagogue. He would look after the building. He would organize all the services and make sure everyone turned up on time. We also know this about Jairus. He had a 12-year-old daughter, and his 12-year-old daughter is about to die. And he is a desperate man, and he will do absolutely anything to try and make his daughter well again. Because he loves his daughter. And so what Jairus does, if you like, is this... Is the scene that we see before us. The first thing that he does is he kind of abandons his pride. And he comes and asks Jesus for help. Listen, if you're, if you're a man here, you get conditioned very early into life into this. That you see a problem and the words that immediately come to mind is, I've got to fix this problem. Don't we? And if you don't believe me, you're living in denial. And otherwise, ask the person you're married to and they'll tell you. Because we just have to fix problems. So Jairus was this person who always believed that he could fix the problem. And we get conditioned very early in life that if a problem arises, we've got to try and fix it. But Jairus is one of those situations where he can't fix the problem. The only person who can fix his problem is Jesus. And so he abandons his pride and he asks Jesus for help. But he doesn't just abandon his pride. He also abandons his prejudice. You see, as a synagogue leader, let me tell you this. Jairus had a lot of predetermined views of who Jesus was. And they weren't positive. So what Jairus would do would be, would be this. To associate with Jesus would be very dangerous for him. His friends would think, why are you doing that, Jairus? The rest of the people in the synagogue would be thinking, Jesus is an outsider. Jesus is someone who's dangerous. I don't want to be anywhere near him. And Jairus abandons his pride. And then the last thing he does is he abandons his dignity. And what does he do? He quite literally throws himself at Jesus' feet. And he begs Jesus. And he doesn't just beg him once. He begs him over and over and over again. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Please, Jesus. Just come. Just come and Lay your hand on my daughter and she will be well. And that's the scene. Jairus abandons everything that he ever knew. Let me tell you the first thing I want you to know about faith this morning. It's this. Faith abandons trust in everyone or everything else. To have faith in Jesus, you abandon your trust, your confidence in everyone or everything else. That Jesus is the only person who can help you. You see, we get very easily conditioned in life to try and help ourselves. And we think if there's a need, oh, I can just sort that myself or somebody else can do that for me. 
And we get very easily conditioned into our security blankets. But what does, what does Jesus say? If we can just put it on the screen, Jeremy, please. Is that faith abandons trust in everyone or everything else. And that's what happens with Jairus. Because the question of faith is always the question of who. Who am I going to put my faith in? And so we read that Jesus agrees to go off. But what you won't know if you're just here this week and weren't here last week is that on his way, Jesus gets interrupted. And he helps out this other woman. And while he's helping out the other woman, the situation kind of intensifies. Because as Jesus is helping out this other woman, some people come from Jairus' house and they tell Jairus the desperately sad news that his daughter has died. And they say to, they say to him, well, listen, why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter has died. And Jesus hears what they say. And he hears them, but he ignores them. And he says these words to Jairus. He says, Do not fear, only believe. Here's the second thing about faith this morning. Faith overcomes fear to believe. Faith overcomes fear to believe. Listen, if you put your faith in someone, it's a risk. If you put your faith in yourself, at some stage it's a risk. And whatever the greater the degree of risk, fear enters your life. And if you're going to put your faith in someone, it's a risk. And that's connected with fear. And for Jairus, he he believed. He believed Jesus could heal his daughter. And now he finds out his daughter has died. And what does Jesus say to him? All of a sudden, everything's raised. And Jesus just says to him, do not fear, just believe. Do not fear, just believe. Faith overcomes fear to believe. And what does Jesus do? He dismisses the crowd. And he he says to the crowd, right, go away. And there are five people left. There's Jesus, there's Jairus, and Jesus' three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And they approach Jairus' house. And as they approach Jairus' house, it's not a pretty scene. It really isn't. Because the mourning process for this 12-year-old girl has began. Let me tell you something about first century Middle Eastern mourning. They didn't do it in silence and they didn't do it quietly and they didn't do it privately. They did it loudly, they did it publicly. There's wailing, there's screaming. That's the scene that Jesus confronts. And then he says these words. And he says, why are you behaving in this way? You know, they're probably looking at Jesus thinking he's absolutely mad. Why do you think we're behaving in this way? Because Jairus' 12-year-old daughter has died. You'd be upset, wouldn't you? And Jesus says, why are you behaving in this way? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And of course, they know that she's dead. Because she's dead. They've seen a dead body before. And what do they do? They laugh at him. They laugh at Jesus. See, here's the next thing about faith. Faith 
overcomes mockery to a bear. Listen, it, when we live in this island, we live in an island where at times it cannot be easy it can, at times to be a Christian. Sometimes that's our own fault, basically, but other times it isn't. You can get smirked at. You can get laughed at. You can get mocked for being a Christian. You know, we live in a world where this morning I talk about miracles and a miracle that happened in a daughter's life and we get conditioned to believe that miracles can't happen today. You know, that we live in the increasingly secular culture that kind of says, well, actually, to believe in Christianity is kind of to believe in a fairy tale. And so on from there. And you can get mocked. Faith overcomes mockery to a bare listen. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. Whether you are someone like me who has a great degree of faith or whether you have no faith at all. Whether you're a Christian or whether you're an atheist, it doesn't matter who you are. Whether you're a a scientist or you're not a scientist, everything in life comes down to faith. Because nobody truly knows. Everything in life comes down to faith and you follow the evidence, which is why I'm a Christian, because I followed the evidence of what happens. And we'll see a bit of that evidence in a moment. Faith overcomes mockery to obey. And then Jesus gets rid of the mourners. He gets rid of them, he clears them out of the house, and now there's six people in the house besides the dead girl. There's Jesus, there's Jairus and his wife, and there's Peter, James, and John. And Jesus goes over to the, to the dead girl where she's lying down, and he takes her by the hand, and he says these words to her, Talitha kum. You see, here when people say to me, how do you know that what you're reading in this book is absolutely true? And, and besides all the thousands and thousands of manuscripts and besides all the evidence that would tell me that there is far more evidence that Jesus existed rather than Homer or Aristotle or Julius Caesar, far, far more, it would be like looking at that and looking at that. I just look at the eyewitness accounts of how you'd use the words talithacum. Here's what you might not know this morning. Talithacum is Aramaic. The New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And yet these words, when you look at the ancient Greek text, they just said talithacum. It's just an eyewitness account. You would only remember it if you were there. Which means, little girl, get up. If you want a 21st century equivalent, it would be like saying to your your daughter or your child or your son, honey, it's time to get up now. And we read that Jesus, she gets up and she starts walking around. And if you're Jairus and his wife or Peter, James and John, you're you're just looking and amazed and Jesus says, give her something to eat. Here's the final thing about faith this morning. Faith overcomes amazement to follow. You see, Jesus doesn't want people who are amazed at him. He doesn't want fans. He wants followers. He wants people who will join him in creating God's kingdom of heaven on earth now. And that's what Jesus is trying to do by the way he's living his life and what he wants his followers to do. And so as I close, I want us to watch a final clip about something that happens in another little girl's life, Lucy, that we saw a bit earlier. You see, she was scared. You see, her sisters and her brothers wouldn't believe her when she'd seen Aslan the lion, this picture of who Jesus is. And that's what we saw in that first scene. But faith has to overcome fear. 
to believe. Faith has to overcome. They mocked her. If you know the film, said, oh, don't be, you're just being a stupid girl. Faith has to overcome mockery to, to obey. Faith has to overcome amazement to follow. And to have faith, you've got to abandon trust in everyone or everything else. But when you do that, something happens. Because this is how faith grows, as we'll see now in this clip. She thinks he's grown. And what does Aslan say? He says, every year you grow, so shall I. That's how faith works. The more you grow in your faith, the bigger the person who you're putting your faith in grows. Let us pray. So, Heavenly Father, we... Just pray this morning for each one of us as we think about what does it mean to have faith in you. And Lord, I pray that for each one of us, whichever it is, whether it's the faith to abandon trust in everyone else, or it's the faith that's needed to overcome fear, to believe, or the faith that's needed to overcome mockery, to obey, or the faith that is needed to overcome amazement to follow. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.